Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there and welcome uh, to today, <laughs> October 28. It's a foggy Monday here in Pittsburgh, PA. And uh, anyone who's downtown and around these parts, which would be uh, Penn Avenue, specifically Penn Avenue and 10th, <laughs> may have uh, witnessed an extraordinary uh, sight uh, today. I drove by and couldn't see what was happening because there were so many police cars and the road was barricaded. This was just 20 minutes ago. And I thought, oh my God, what's happened? And I mean, there was even you know, lights flashing all the way up one block of Penn down um, uh, the block that leads under the convention center. And I thought, God, I hope something horrific hasn't happened. Well, uh, witnessed in nobody's hurt. Uh, Nothing horrific happened, but there's a hell of a picture making the rounds. And uh, I'm sure if you, I know, I think uh, at least one local station has, has, I'm sure a lot of the, all the stations have put up a picture. For all I know, uh, the... Uh, Pittsburgh City Paper has posted uh, a picture. Uh, it is, there was a Pittsburgh bus sitting at the light, and then all of a sudden, half of it got swallowed. Uh, the road opened, and the whole half, back half of the, the bus, went down. So the bus is sticking out of the, I mean, st it's it's a picture. <laughs> that one's going to make its way around, uh, around the world because it's not something you see all the time. The good news is uh, passengers that were on, and it wasn't, I, I see one account that says there were 10 people on board, and another that says only two passengers, whatever. They, they managed to get out, and uh, nobody hurt, but that's, jeez. That's what's uh, happening down here. And also, I understand uh, local news uh, that for Pittsburgh Pirate fans is great. Um, the Pirates have finally uh, fired <laughs> uh, Neil Huntington. And uh, so now if we could just get rid of the owner, I, I think we got a shot. Now if Nutting would only fire himself. So that, that's all going on, okay? Um, so the big story, of course, uh, the um, taking down of uh, ISIS head uh, al-Baghdadi. This is a good thing. There's no way it's a bad thing. Uh, the only thing about the thing is, and this is, let me read it to you, uh, according to, uh, of course, Pentagon officials who refuse to be identified, um, the raid on Saturday night uh, occurred and was successful largely in spite of and not because of President Trump's actions. <coughs> so uh, his celebratory, uh, you know, his spiking the football, his doing an end zone dance, all he's generally think. Um, the reality is, is everything he has done in the last few weeks in uh, Syria uh, made this job more difficult. Uh, it had to be done because we were losing the assets on uh, the ground because of his uh, uh, removal of uh, U.S. troops. And because he stabbed the Kurds in the back, <laughs> where do you think our CIA and where do you think our military got intelligence in Syria about ISIS and Baghdadi? Huh? 
Well, they got it from Syrian Kurds, the very people we have walked away from and allowed to be slaughtered. And you know what? What's even more amazing, I thought, well, surely after Trump did that to them, they did not help us anymore. And that is not the case. People are saying that the Kurds continued to feed our military and our intelligence information about, uh, about Baghdadi and about other things going on in the area up until the minute the raid occurred. If I were a Kurd, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Somebody had sent out a historical video of uh, President Truman after winning World War II and uh, of President George H.W. Bush after the successful and very short war that, uh, that pushed Saddam Hussein uh, back into his own country. And uh, you add to it Barack Obama's uh, statement after we got Osama bin Laden. And they're all of a piece, Truman, Bush, Obama, very solemn, very to the point, no braggadocio, no uh, spiking the football, no victory dance, no denigration of uh, the enemy, uh, because those three men acted like grown-ups, <laughs> like honorable leaders act. And to see this disgusting president of ours yesterday with the like a kid like a child who got to see an exciting movie it was like you were watching a movie said the president i got to see i got to watch much of it i'm all, these are everything i'm saying is what the president of the united states said uh yesterday um Oh, my, my, the, the part that just blew me away was his, his glee in accounting how Baghdadi ran into a dead-end tunnel and died after uh, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. Here's the thing. Won't shock anybody who knows Trump. There's no way that Trump saw Baghdadi in the tunnel. <laughs> he would not have heard him either. He would have not known if he was whimpering, crying, or anything. The video that was available was taken from surveillance aircraft. There was no audio of you couldn't hear what any specific person was saying. So when um, the defense secretary was asked, uh, so Baghdad, the president said Baghdadi was whimpering and, and crying. Um, and the defense secretary, who's not as comfortable lying every other second, as the president is, uh, just tersely said, I don't have those details. 
I find him so repulsive. I'm sorry. Yeah, here it is. American officials said the Kurds continued to provide information to the CIA on Baghdadi's location even after Trump's decision to withdraw American troops, leaving the Kurds alone to confront the Turks. The Kurds, one official said, provided more intelligence that allowed for the raid to happen and for the raid's success than any single country. And they don't even have one. And the little strip of land they did have carved out for themselves in Iraq, Trump just nonchalantly handed off to Turkey. Sure, you want to take that? You go ahead. And Trump would have done that, now we realize, Trump would have done that knowing that this, that Baghdadi had been located, that this operation was in the works. He would have known Baghdadi was sitting right there in Syria, practically in Turkey, And that we owed all of this information to the work our CIA and military do to secure people on the ground who can feed us information. And those people on the ground were Kurds. And there, I mean, the, 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 again, the... You just want to, how he doesn't choke on his words. Praising the CIA and our intelligence gatherers. These are the people he calls the deep state. These are the people who, when they did what they do so well and said the Russians interfered in our election and the Russians were trying to help Trump get elected, he said they were incompetent, they were politicized, they were out to get him, it was a hoax, it was a witch hunt. Yesterday, he sang their praises to the skies. I got to watch it. What a bunch of losers, frightened puppies. He died like a dog. Trump's view on dogs is a little strange, too. Uh, dogs came up quite a bit yesterday. Uh, Trump doesn't like dogs. This is the first president in a long time who hasn't had one. And one of the insults he spews at women is he calls them. She's a dog. So dog is a pejorative. And yet... Trump got all excited in watching this, like, like a movie. Just like being president, it's like doing The Apprentice. It's just like a reality show. His presidency is like TV, and I'm the president. And this is like a movie. And they have these, let me get the quote again. I hate to muck it up. I want to be... Right on, here it is. Our canine, as they call it, 
I call it a dog. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. The canine, I call it a dog. A beautiful dog. A talented dog, of course. The best dog. Because it's my dog, right? Canine, as they call it, I call it a dog. This is our president. Inarticulate, boastful, embarrassing, lying. Couldn't do, couldn't do it yesterday without trying to take down Obama. Boy, Obama lives in his head. Boy, can't. Obama, the gr a grown-up, an honorable man, right, lives in his head. And he said that he wrote in his book, Trump, in one of his books. He also went on to say, I've written a lot of books. He's written none. Okay, they're all ghostwritten. Nobody listened to me, he said. He said he warned everybody about bin Laden. Nobody listened. To this day, he says, I get people coming up to me and they say, you know, one of the most amazing things I've seen about you is that you predicted that Osama bin Laden had to be killed before he knocked down the World Trade Center. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, you can say that's not true to almost every utterance out of this guy's mouth, right? It's not true. In the book he's talking about, he made one passing reference to bin Laden. That's all. He, he just referred to him as public enemy number one. Uh, and there he was saying, I made a prediction. Let's put it this way. If they would have listened to me, a lot of things would have been different. I was trying to think of what is the word for this guy? A president who talks like this. He was a gutless animal. What is the word for somebody who doesn't have a clue how to comport himself? I was thinking yesterday, I mean, it, it's, it's like he's classless. I mean, he has, he's not fully, he hasn't been taught about how you speak in certain situations. He, he doesn't, and he's the president. I can't believe it. Forgive me. I feel now and uh, ever since he's become the president that all I do is... Uh, say the same thing over and over. I, I, I can't I can't really take it all in. A number of military intelligence and administration officials who spoke on condition of anonymity said Trump could not have received any real time dialogue from the scene, could not have known what was happening in an underground tunnel much less know if Baghdadi was whimpering or crying. So even in a moment like this, where he could have done it straight, he's incapable of doing anything without, without making himself the center before you know it, it'll be him who went in. He'll kick the uh, canine, I call it a dog, he'll ki kick that out of the picture and it'll be like he went in, personally. 
<laughs> Roger just said he finally saw The Great Dictator. Um, that is Charlie Chaplin film that spoofs Adolf Hitler, where Chaplin plays Hitler. And uh, it is brilliant. It is incredibly brilliant movie. And at the end, there is a speech. And that's what Roger's writing about. He says, my wife and I watched this movie for the first time. Wow. Wow. Maybe the Democratic candidate should just do that speech at the convention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let me just get your emails in here. Uh, boorish. Milton's coming up. I'm trying to think of what is the word. Yeah, he's a boor. Yeah, boorish, vulgar. Um, best adjective for him, boorish. What was the one my niece came up with and I've already forgotten it? Uh... I told you all once. You're supposed to remember things for me. Um, we do run out and we do repeat ourselves, but boorish works. <laughs> Kurt says, if only that sinkhole had opened up last Wednesday, we might have been spared a visit from uh, unwanted company, that we would have been subjected to endless speculation about terrorists in Pittsburgh. Also, I see very little about the president's involvement in planning this ISIS raid. <laughs> he didn't plan it. So little, in fact, that I suspect it was planned by the military. Uh-huh. Without his involvement, despite everything he was doing to cut the legs out from under them, their sources out from under them, to ordering their troops out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And of course, slavishly uh, thanking the Russians again. I mean, I. Little Tony says, Did you ever wonder why Trump doesn't have a dog? Because it would take attention away from him. The show's got to be all about him, and there's no room for anyone else. And, and you know, you do know that people also say that you don't ever want to, like, be on stage with either, uh, you know, a cute child or a dog, because they do. They steal the limelight. So, Tony, I think you're absolutely dead on. That would be mostly it. That's right. That's right. And yes, you remind me that after he took the victory lap and and uh, lied to us about how Baghdadi died and embellished the story, he went off to the uh, World Series game and was roundly booed. You realize that this guy never puts himself in the position to hear that kind of reaction? Never. He only goes to totally controlled events where his cult members are in attendance, where he's, where he's showered with cheers and, and laughter and chants. He has not been in an open public venue with that many people since when since ever in his presidency help me here I can't think of a thing he's ever done out in a public setting like that that isn't controlled and lo and behold there he was in a stadium full of the American people and what was their reaction to him showing up? Boo. It's funny. I was listening a little bit to the local talk radio. 
And oh my God, people were decrying the incivility of treating the president like that. <laughs> Hello? Incivility? What about the incivility this boor of a president exemplifies every day, 20 times a day? His vulgarity, his language, his lack of understanding what his place is at the president. And that he, you want to be able to say to your children, look up to the president. You behave like the president. That's how a leader behaves. Where are all these people who are so outraged by the incivility They're more, they're clutching their pearls over people expressing their opinion of this elected official, which is their God-given American right. But you don't hear the same pearl clutching about his disgusting vulgarity and boorish behavior. <laughs> Not to say his criminal conduct. No. Oh, Milton, you're something. Milton has the, the speech from the great dictator. This is when Charlie Chaplin who's mistaken for Hitler, um, is, finds himself in front of these cheering people and expecting to hear the usual scapegoating and hate-filled speech. And so there is this Hitler-looking figure and here's what he says. This is the speech that Roger says, whoever the Democrat nominee is should just say this. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. And this world has room for everyone, and the good earth is rich, can provide for everyone. That way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost our way. Greed has poisoned our souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. Machinery that gives us abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical. Our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The airplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood. Wow, that's very much like what was said when the Internet came in, right? It brings us together. It will democratize us. That's where the Arab Spring was able to come from, social media. And it didn't. So this is, again, a sort of naive speech, right? 
it is as I read it now. Even now my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. (coughs) (coughs) The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass. Dictators will die and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. Oh my God. I won't go on. He did it better. Look at the movie. And here we are again. Ray says for his word, gauche. Yeah, gauche is, but it's too, it ain't, he is. He's gauche, boorish, vulgar. But none of them capture it exactly. So you know what? I mean, we're going to have to come up with a new word for him. He's... I mean, I'll I'll say, I mean, I've said this before, I'll give him this. For a man who wants attention more than any other man in our, I don't know, have you ever known anybody like this? He is the most successful narcissist in the world. He's got the whole world hanging on his every vulgar verbal fart. He has what any narcissist would die for. He will be remembered. There'll be gazillions of books written about him. I want to point out that um, I don't know if any of you were at or watched the uh, memorial yesterday to those killed in the uh, attack on Tree of Life Synagogue. Um, One of the rabbis of one of the congregations Jonathan Perlman brought the crowd there to its feet and the crowd did not the crowd was in a you know they didn't applaud after people spoke they didn't it was just it was like a you know a funeral and at Jewish funerals you don't applaud But he called on politicians 
to do something, to pass some gun control measures. And the place erupted. And then he went after the Attorney General of the United States, essentially. Didn't name him. The Justice Department. And he said how the families of the victims and leaders in the Jewish community pretty much begged the Justice Department, Bill Barr's Justice Department, not to hold a trial. The guy has confessed. Just enter a, a plea deal with him and, and let it go. And the reason the community does not want a trial, which, by the way, has been set for next September, just a few days before the High Holy Days, the most sacred days in, in Jewish life. They don't want it because every survivor is going to have to go onto the witness stand and is going to have to live in, relive in excruciating detail what happened. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They're, they're all working through their trauma. There is no need. And the rabbi called it, the Justice Department wants their show trial. I'll tell you what else they want. They want, and think about this, this is right before the election. They reinstituted the death penalty for um, federal crimes. There had been a hold on people being put to death. They want to kill him. And they want to kill him to show how Trump is tough. And there was the rabbi pleading, please, Please, let us treat each other with great warmth and sympathy. Sounds sort of like the speech Charlie Chaplin gave in The Great Dictator. But it is not kind people who seem to run things these days. It's opportunistic people and hateful people. Um, so, I'm sorry, I'm being sort of slow today. I'm, I'm slow because my head is just filled with a million different things. I want to tell you, and I'm, and I'm sorry to tell you, and I'm, I'm, um, that I, I have to travel to, um, my hometown of Green Bay, Wisconsin uh, tomorrow morning and um, traveling to Green Bay is extremely <laughs> difficult <laughs> there ain't no easy way to get there there's two planes that may or may not connect there's uh, anyway and there are very few planes so I can't get in and out uh, easily and it means that I will not be here for tomorrow's show, and I'm not able to get back for Wednesday's show either. So I'm I'm gonna miss you Tuesday and Wednesday. I feel bad about it because I feel like I've been, you know, uh, 
I don't know, taken a lot of time off. And uh, since dropping Fridays, I, you know, just four days, I, I really want to be here. And so I'm sorry about that. I will tell you that the reason I'm going is a celebration um, of 25 years of this lecture series that my father um, endowed at the Catholic College in Green Bay, St. Norbert College. And so this is a big to-do, that this thing has gone on for 25 years. I was asking about to remind me all the people that had been brought in. And this is like, you know, so my dad endowed this thing, and it's called, ah, it's a lecture series in public understanding. My dad was just like a classic patriotic, honorable American. He was the antithesis of Donald Trump as a man. He was a businessman and a successful businessman. Never went bankrupt. And he always said that the only good deal was when both people walked out feeling good. He never saw negotiation with anybody as ending with winners and losers. I never heard him swear. He treated all people with respect. And I and Susan have been charged with speaking at this event. And you know what? I spent the whole weekend paralyzed. Because for 25 years, my dad brought in these extraordinary speakers, governmental figures like Arthur Schlesinger Jr., and historians like, oh my God, there are a million historians. Beschloss, most recently, but... I'm blanking on the others. Kevin Phillips, um, Pulitzer Prize winners, Halberstam. So many of them are now gone. Nobel Peace Prize winner, Elie Wiesel. And these were people that would not have come to speak in Green Bay. And these were opportunities for people in Green Bay to hear from people about making the world a better place and what happens when we screw up. And they were free to the people. So my, my family continues this. And, but how do you celebrate 25 years of doing this? All of these speeches from wondrous people about being our better selves when we live in Donald Trump's America. It appears that all these speeches didn't do a goddamn thing. We're worse off than when the lectures started. So I kept trying to, I mean, aware that this is a celebration, but I don't feel capable of celebration. I feel like the lectures failed. What did they do? And when I found myself writing, all I could keep saying is, I am so glad my father is not here. He would be so He would be, this gentle man would be so appalled. 
at what we've come to, at Donald Trump representing us. And then because yesterday was the anniversary of the Tree of Life thing, that was in my head. And then my father telling us as children how he felt such terror as a child sitting in his parents' house in their living room with the radio turned on, listening to the weekly radio program that came out of Detroit, Michigan. It was a very successful program. Had an audience of 35 million people who tuned in to hear a Catholic priest, Father Charles Coughlin, spew such hate of Jews. It was terrifying. My dad remembers listening. My dad remembers knowing what was happening, this is in the 30s, what was happening to Jews in Germany, the laws that were being passed, that they couldn't go to school anymore, that they couldn't be in positions of anything, that they lost their citizenship, that they had to wear stars on their... My dad knew this was happening to Jews, and he lived in a country in which 40 million Americans listened, rapt, to Father Coughlin tell them that their miseries were because of the Jew. So my dad was very aware. of the danger of anti-Semitism at a very young age. And just a few years after Coughlin was finally pulled off the air, which was 1936 or 7, my father's house got crowded. They had that one bathroom and there were already five kids and all of a sudden it was crowded because a family came to stay with them. A family of refugees running from the results, the consequence of that same kind of hate speech that Coughlin was spewing into Americans' ears. They were fleeing for their lives, and they're one of the lucky ones from Germany. And my father's father took them in. So there in America, my dad as a child is listening to Coughlin say it's the Jews Praise Hitler. Coughlin was looked at as a hero in Germany, by the way. Coughlin had a great deal of political power. He helped begin and gave uh, a lot of devotees of his over to the American fascist movement that filled Madison Square Garden with their rallies. Donald Trump's daddy was into it. Surprise, huh? I don't think my father could believe that in 2018 the worst attack on Jews in America would happen and just a few blocks from where his daughter lived that would make it worse for him. But also, the fact that the man who killed all those people thought he was a patriot. He was on the receiving end of that, of the hate-filled speech that permeates our discourse now. He heard, Richard Bowers heard, the president of the 
United States, his president, say that our country was being invaded, invaded by rapists and murderers. What does a patriot do? You defend your country. And Bowers was aware from what he read, not from the fake news, from the real stuff, that these hordes of disease-carrying vermin, our president's words again, were bankrolled by that international Jew, George Soros. And there was these Jews in his own hometown who were supporting these refugees. Hate-filled speech. It resulted in the deaths of millions of men, women, and children in my father's lifetime. And the same speech we hear again. And you see how it creates violence. Forgive me, but I spent the weekend so tortured by the fact that we don't know our history. And there is danger in not knowing our history. Phil is suggesting for an adjective, we'll, the adjective will just be Trumpish. Trumpish will mean a, a vulgarian boor in a position of power, right? Trumpish, he says, as in McCarthy-like or McCarthyism. Well, they're all going to end up in the same kind of a, yeah, historical bin. But so often these people who end up with being condemned by history are the people who do the most damage who destroy lives. And again, I say that the Republicans who continue to put their power, their politics over their country are traitors, to my mind. They're clearly cowards. Somebody says it is the reason that JFK's book, The Profiles of Courage, was pretty slim. I also want to point out that the Republicans are the most extraordinary hypocrites ever. What do you think of when you think of Republicans? Why conservative fiscal values, right? That's their big thing. Government. You have to you have to shrink it. The United States federal budget deficit in the last year jumped 26% under Donald Trump's wonderful uh, tutelage. The United States government was forced to borrow more money than it had in a long time to pay for the lack of money in the treasury. And why isn't there money in our treasury? Because of Trump's tax breaks. Yeah, he let all the rich people keep their money. So he had to go borrow money instead. The deficit has swelled 50% since Trump took office. 
and it will hit $1 trillion next year. You'll recall Trump as a candidate said he would eliminate deficits within eight years. He was going to do it by cutting spending. <laughs> uh, he has increased spending. He has allowed deficits to balloon because of his tax cuts. The deficit has reached unprecedented levels for, a, for our nation in peacetime during a growing economy. If there's a growing economy, the deficit is supposed to go down. Trump has managed the impossible. No problem. It has And so now the Republicans, I mean, they, they will come right back and say that we've got to cut spending to get this deficit down. And where do they cut? They don't say to the rich people, hey, we need your, come on, we need some more uh, input from you. We got little people doing all the heavy lifting in this country. We need more. You know what Republicans do when we have a big deficit, which they create? They cut programs that help poor people. That's what they do. And that's what they're doing. They propose cuts to social programs. They take food, literally, out of the hands of babies. They cut food stamps. They cut Social Security. Anything that could be construed as a safety net, they go after it. Americans who continue to fall for what Republicans say they stand for, what Republicans say they will do, Are, I, I mean, what just uh, extraordinarily, stubbornly incapable of seeing reality. I'm... Also, I just want to point out something else. Tulsi Gabbard is not going to run for Congress again. She's putting all her energy into becoming the next president of the United States, which, of course, is not going to happen. So what is happening? She is spending an incredible amount of time on Fox News. Tucker Carlson's show, Sean Hannity's show, they love her because all she does is trash Democrats. Beware of her. She is out to do something potentially very damaging to the Democratic Party as it heads into this election. Beware of her. And I, I am not kidding. Beware of Tulsi Gabbard as as everybody knows, the Russians love her. As everybody knows, she's a xenophobe. She's a homophobe. How she's in the Democratic Party, I do not know. Do you know her dad was a Hare Krishna? And she has sort of stayed in the, in the, she calls herself a Hindu. But it's like Hare Krishna Hindu. Keep an eye on that one. I don't know what we can do. But she's trying to be the Jill Stein of, watch her, 
Watch her. She could really hurt the Democrats. And that's one of the reasons that Fox News loves her so much. All right, I'm sorry I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be, like, upsetting a bunch of nice people at a Catholic college, and um, and then I'll be back on, on Thursday, okay? Go Steelers. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.